Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. Wayne Winston is joining us right now in studio. Hey, Wayne, have you been? Fantastic. Lisa, how about yourself? Pretty good. Are you supposed to say happy Martin Luther King Day on Martin Luther King Day? I really wasn't sure. Is there a greeting for that? Well, you know, it's happy MLK, you know. Is it? Yeah, Is it happy okay. MLK? Okay, I wasn't okay. sure. So we weren't on the air on Monday. I had my anniversary, 41st. Congratulations. Thank you. And that was a wonderful weekend. But I know that there are some reflections, some things you wanted to say about it. You know, um, there's so many things that go on during MLK Day. We were, his, excuse me, obviously, we observe his birthday. Mm-hmm. The challenge is... Which is on the 15th, incidentally, but everything we do is a three-day weekend now, okay? And we love it. We take that extra day off <laughs> take on Take that Monday. extra day, Let's sure. not change that, okay? Okay, we're we good with it. that. We're good okay. with that. <laughs> okay. But, you know, um, I go to these different events, and everyone reads, you know, the speech, um, and there's a lot of reverence that is there, and it's great to see young people and so on. But I think as adults, we need to understand um, the civil rights movement is also seen like a kind of a romanticization of that time period and for a lot of people black well because change happened right so you romanticize when you did something and it made a positive difference yes because so so for that moment in time when you are in washington and you're on the mall Mm -hmm. that striking moment Mm -hmm. something was spoken into the world that has impacted us to this day right now inspirational Absolutely. And game changing. Mm-hmm. But what happens is when you went home from that mall on that day, yeah. you went back to your community that had just as much fear and just as much hostility um, as it was before that speech, because changing the hearts and minds of men takes a long time. You bet. So when you signed the Voting Rights Act 
in 1965 just says, hey, black people can finally vote. You know, everybody, you know, without measure, because there's little pockets throughout history. You get people, oh, then you can vote back in certain circumstances. The bottom line is it wasn't official and the law until then. Now, realize the very meeting that they had at the mall was against the law because black people weren't supposed to be able to meet in large numbers like that. All across this country, it was legal to arrest black people in certain communities for meeting in just small groups. So just that And when you say itself, legal, you don't mean constitutionally legal. You mean that locally they passed laws and they weren't challenged, and so sheriffs did it anyway. Absolutely, and that's where the Jim Crow laws come in right after mm. the slavery laws. Sure. So when I speak to the people who were my uncle and my parents, yeah. these stories, they just They were don't. Georgia? What, what state? Um, my dad was from West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, okay. Small town um, and Morgantown, as a matter of fact. Okay. Coal mining town. And um, Was he a coal miner? For a short time, but he got the heck out of there and he says, I got to go up north. Okay. And that's how he winds up coming up this way. And he wound up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, because Bridgeport was like a mecca for industry Mm -hmm. and did well here. Okay. So getting a chance to leave the South. And where was your mom from? uh, My mom was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and she moved to Buffalo, New York. Oh, that's where your family still is. So that's why I've got a tremendous amount of family there. Okay. And so they basically met when he came up to Buffalo. Oh. And, you know, they wind up moving to Bridgeport because, again, that's where the jobs were. Got it. Okay. He didn't want them to do it. But you have family from the South, too. Um, on my dad's side, yes. Okay. You know, and that's Morgantown. I've been down there a couple of times. Very, you know, it's basically a poor town. In fact, you know, I'm about to go off into something else, which is where a lot of the whole epidemic with the fentanyl and all that kind of, kind of stuff happened, started around that area. But the thing is that we have a, a tendency to romanticize that. And when I remember the stories of my uncles and cousins where there would be people who would just disappear off the street and you'd never know they would not be coming home and you wouldn't find out until later you know that um something had happened to them the the stories of like bull connor he wasn't the only person it's just that he was the most visible because because of- he went against uh, Eisenhower, and he went against the president, and he went against trends that wanted to dismantle segregation. Yes, and it was, by the way, it was the law to enforce segregation. Mm-hmm. So at the time that this is happening, mm-hmm. that's what black people had been living to up until that time with all of those things, having to step away if a white person walked by, if you got paid less, you just took it, you know, um, there's a tolerance that we had to have. And so it was very painful. At the same time, as we loved America, often you hear us say, you know, we fought in, co- in a country um, because we loved the country for its promise, but it didn't love us back. The Civil Rights Movement was not without blood. So when you have Schwerner, Cheney, and Goodman, good white people died because these racists, these bigots, traditionally the Klan— um, are the original terrorists, as far as we're concerned, because those are the men who came into our homes and our communities in those white hoods and set things on fire and said, you are not equal to a white person. And they used terrorist tactics like 
rape of our, our women, rape of our mothers and our sisters and our daughters. And it's more common than what we talk about. The reason I'm sharing this today is I need people to understand that those conditions were unbearable, but we found a way to deal with them. And still, we were in every single war that this country ever fought. And we were a linchpin to so many victories. So by the time you get up into, you know, the 60s, into the 70s, there's still a lot of this stuff built in. So Mm -hmm. like the redlining, we talk about the institutionalized racism, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when they drew communities. And ABC has a great um, piece that they have on this right now. And it shows how far back they drew up the communities to be affluent white areas. We're talking about the banks. Yes, the banks. Oh, yes, the banks. The banks banks connected with the real estate, Mm -hmm. and they were making sure that they put, quote, preferable properties, Mm -hmm. white communities, and they were able to get loans, and we couldn't. I mean, so that's systemic things we're talking about are those. And when you're on the side of right and you see those black and white movies and you see protesters saying, Wearing a, a just a sandwich board that says "I am a man." How simple is mm-hmm. that? What a powerful statement that is. See me as a man, as a human being, and that's the horror of racial hatred. And Dr. King was smart enough with the nonviolence as a strategy. So let me ask you this, Wayne Winston. We're chatting. We're going to come right back because. I read a whole bunch of op-ed pieces mm-hmm. that feel that um, that said that a lot of white politicians, mm-hmm. maybe some black ones too, but certainly a lot of white ones, are misappropriating the famous sentence of the "I Have a Dream" speech, oh. where Dr. Martin Luther King talked about the content of one's character mm-hmm. as being crucial to evaluating and assessing the worth of a human. And um, there was a lot of controversy about that. So we're going to be right back. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Outstanding. We'll be right back. And now, a different perspective. Lisa Wexler talks with activist Wayne Winston. Now, on Southern Connecticut's news and information leader, WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And we're back with Wayne Winston. We are talking about the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., and uh, Wayne, I don't know if you saw, but there were there was a, an avalanche of conversation in writing about the content of one's character element of the "I Have a Dream" speech being somehow misappropriated by white people and misunderstanding the ultimate message of Martin Luther King Jr. What do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Well, I think the people who are quote, misappropriating it and and so on, they know exactly what they're doing. I think they're using it to try to make a point that was clearly far and away from what he was talking about. Earlier, just a few minutes ago, we we're talking about what was really happening to black people. He was talking specifically about racism, segregation, the degenerate process that that created for black people in the suffering. So when he says for us to be judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin, yeah. because simply that is what racism is. That's just what the horrible thing is. Just because black people were black, there was no other reason 
to make us three-fifths of a man. There was right. no other reason. It was just the color so of our skin. So why do you think that that, which is such a self-evident thing, how do you think, why do you think that some people think that's been twisted in some way? Well, because when you use it in another context, away from that, um, which we've often seen politically. Tell me what you mean. Um, there are there are people in the in in. I, uh, okay, I have to go to. I see it more with Republicans than anything else. Well, go ahead, talk. And they are sitting there saying, "Well, you know, Martin Luther King wouldn't agree with what's going on today because you know he says we should be." Dealing with each other, not by the content of the character, but the color of their skin. And I'm going, wait a minute. Now, they're talking about the progress that is necessary for, like, DEI, for example. Oh, I see. In other words, they're saying we need to get beyond racial boundaries and stop looking at each other by virtue of our race so that we can get to the content of one's character. So, therefore... Based on that statement, you wouldn't need affirmative action. And as you said, the diversity, equity, inclusion would be unnecessary because that requires looking at one's race. Yes, because a lot of people are using that unless, you know, they're blind. But do you think that he'd be in favor of that today? What do you think? I think he would stand exactly where he is right now, especially um, that statement would be just as clear because black people are disproportionately affected today even by what happened then that's why we're fighting for the same things so you would think that martin luther king jr would be happy about putting policies and law or employment that require looking at one's race as a criteria to or for hiring or education so we're talking two separate things okay tell okay. me for example um Affirmative action is going to come up in the courts pretty soon. I yes. mean, it's in there. Oh, now, yeah. The idea that affirmative action is supposed to be a, quote, black thing, to some degree was, because it was based upon historically, yeah. you wouldn't hire black people just because of the color of their skin. Okay. Okay. Now, so you couldn't say to a company, hire them, or, you know, we're going to somehow discrent, dis- excuse me, disintegrate your business. Um if you were owned by like the if you were run by the federal government and states, you have that kind of power. But private companies know. So affirmative action became if you hire black people, you'll get a tax incentive. And that's basically what triggered that whole process. That if you do this, you report it to the IRS and you get an incentive. That's it. It was an incentive. When was the tax incentive for affirmative action? From the beginning. That's the only reason you would get additional the more black people that you hired, yeah, there are more incentives that you got for it. It was. I'm not aware of tax incentives. I'm aware of, of MBE minority business enterprises having an edge to get government contracts. Okay, that I know of. But this sing- singularly, mm-hmm. when you would apply for a job, yes, they would send stuff into the government that says I have X amount of black people okay. working for me. I see, and it wasn't like you got a thumbs up. You know, there was a financial incentive on the other side from the government that made it possible for them to do it, gave them incentive to do it. And you think Martin Luther King Jr., if he were alive today, he'd say, yay, that's good. I'm asking you. What do you think? Now, everything's context. Okay. In the 70s, you're dealing with a time when there was no incentive to employ black people Mm -hmm. and fix anything. Okay. That's the only thing that they could do. Okay. Now, 
when you have an incentive and it says, okay, why don't you have more black and more black kids just to come to college? Again, we didn't have, we weren't the gate holders. We were the ones who are on the outside of gate. Mm-hmm. So what this said is if you give black people um, more access to education, which is going through the same this process here, you will then be able to enrich your school population mm-hmm. because this is the place, especially colleges. You need that experience. But I'm asking you, Wayne, if Martin Luther King Jr. were alive today, do you think that he would be in favor of these policies? Yes, I think he would. In fact, I mean, let, let's remember these things happened during that time. Affirmative action was part of his whole package. Well, yeah, but you he know? didn't live long enough to see it, really. No, well, if we go by what affirmative action did, all it did was say, give you some incentives to correct the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to have those things. At that time, we even had more rights um, and more laws that even strengthened racism in workplace if you were treated poorly. Um, but those things have basically been watered down to nothing. So, yes, I believe that he would. And what it did for women, and white women in particular, they had the largest advantage mm-hmm. because that was used because women were then part of the minority. Right. So they started using those same things and Definitely. said, now we're getting into the business aspect you talked about. The you MBEs open up a company, for women and blacks. The That's MBEs. Right. Mm-hmm. There's way more white women that have been able to take care of that mm-hmm. than black. And I know here, even in our own cities, and this is nationwide, that there were white companies, they'd put their, their names of their business that had been around 40, 50 years, put it in the name of their wife. And all of a sudden they get these incentives this is true. and all of these things so that they could save money, which yeah. how did that help black people? Not so much because we didn't have all the businesses <laughs> or that many. So, you know, the rising tide raises all boats, it does. so to speak. It does. But it needed to be done because women are still struggling with that. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not, you know, on equal levels, white females with although, white males and so although on. Although women are. Now outpacing men and going to college at alarming rates. Actually, that's another conversation. So we're chatting with Wayne Winston. Wayne, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about, and you're the first person to alert me about this, this very controversial statue in Boston Common. (laughs) Now, let's just say factually that this was commissioned by the King Family Foundation. Yes, This did not come as an outside in. Mm -hmm. A lot of people looked at this and approved the plans, and it's supposed to be a depiction of the embrace between Coretta Scott King and Martin Luther King Jr. after he finds out he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. That's what I read. Yes. Does it look like an embrace to you? (laughs) What does it look like to you, Wade? And we are a G-rated show. Well, uh, I can tell you what you read online. I can tell you what I saw. You didn't like it because you sent it to me right away. It blew your mind. I was like... I cannot believe, great job, Boston. I mean, I was like, at this point, I know who I'm like, great job, Boston. Whoever commissioned this thing, 165000 And then I found out that, you know, a at least a member of the King family. What's 165000 uh, Oh, the statue. What do you mean? That's I, how much I believe it costs? That's what, the, that's what the statue costs. Oh, I thought it's much more than that. Uh, okay. Well, listen. I thought I, it was much more than that. But okay. But it's a, it's a huge bronze. It is. It is. Now, remember, early on... And I'll have to follow up with that price, okay? <laughs> I think that was uh, what this what the study or the concept or something was because you got to come up with that first. They go through this process, and I don't understand. Somebody in the King family approved it. At least one person. Now the family, oh no, at least one for sure. Yeah, it, yeah. 
when you see the cousins, when they have the unveiling. $10 million, not $165,000. Thank, Thank you, Andrew. Thank $10 million. That sounds about right. Fantastic. Can't do anything for one sixty-five k anymore, Wayne. Come on. Everything's it's a got million Draw this thing out. Listen, if I could draw some out for 165000 I'd do it every day. They're but. saying that it is, this is the polite word, they're yes. saying that it is a very obvious depiction of a phallic symbol. To say the least, in a monumental size that a monumental you cannot, size you couldn't miss this. It's in Boston Common. If you've been to Boston, it's like the center of the universe in Bridgeport. It's like going to New York and you go to Central Park or Madison Square Garden. Um, in the comments from the cousins, the other family yes. who weren't there that never they saw They were very it, upset, they the were ones that I saw. Floored. They Floored. were like, how... <laughs> Did this happen? Who did you talk to in our family? And by the way, it doesn't look like Martin Luther. Like, in other words, there's no, someone said this, there's no bus, there's no head. Yes. There's no, you wouldn't know that it was anything other than, it's bizarre looking bronze. It's it's a bizarre looking, but it will become now a tourist attraction, I imagine, in Boston Common. Everyone will have to go there. (laughs) And I can imagine (laughs) the people's pictures. Are they going to put little stickies on it? Are they going to send little love notes? Social media is going to love it. You know, here I am by the... The school tours. That's right. The school tours. (laughs) The kids that are, hey, we're in front of the... uh... And, um, you know, they said it looked, you know, something that comes out the other end, you know, when, uh, you know... and. It's unfortunate because you think I guess what this guy was trying to do. I'm reading the the, the sculpture. He's like, well, you know, we're at a time because art is abstract and so on. I'm like, dude, not there. Right. I mean, if you're going to have something of a visible person, then you need to have something, especially of that stature. And I'm just saying of a person, period. It's got to kind of look like them somewhere. Okay. I think so. And I will say. And the the late great Maya Angelou agreed with me. She mm. said it first. The Martin Luther King Jr. statue on the Washington Mall is really ugly. Yeah, it it could be much better. I mean, it's ugly. Okay, <laughs> it's not graceful. You know, when I think of the, of course, I didn't see Martin Luther King Jr. in person myself, mm. but I saw him on film, and I've seen many photos of him, and he always, at least in the photos I saw, was an elegant, graceful man. Agreed. There's nothing graceful about the statue in Washington, D.C. It's blocky. It's not, it doesn't, you don't, you don't feel him from it. It's almost like they tried to catch a kind of a Mount Rushmore-ish kind of feel, you know, cutting the side of a rock. I'm thinking that's what they were going for, but I, I agree it doesn't have that that spiritual thing that and we that's feel what he was about so that. about yes and that, now we understand how important whoever it is that creates this thing always does the, the right job the artist matters when these concepts come um and it's and especially i mean I, that's unforgivable yeah i mean you know I mean, if, <laughs> if i had their number i'd call them what are you thinking what is going through your brain that this was how somehow going to work if you have to put a sign on something to tell people what it is, then that's what a it problem. <laughs> Especially for Dr. Martin Luther King and Coretta. Coretta. And it's for such a special moment that said, my husband won. Has she the come out publicly? Is she upset about it? Um, I can say I haven't seen anything yet from her, mm-hmm. but the family members have mm. been sharing what they've been. They I'm have. sure they've been on the phone and, you know. So 
What do you do about that? I guess that? you're going to have to go see it in person, Wayne. Yeah. I yeah, guess so. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Uh, matter of fact, take some pictures. Send them over. <laughs> I might have to go through with a chisel. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Fix <right. it. laughs> Try to carve his face in there. It, it's 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 it really is unfortunate. That's right. It really is. When I saw that, I was I was shocked. And um, you know, I'm listen. I don't want to be the family member that approved that. Okay. Wayne Winston, thank you for being with us. We'll see you next Wednesday. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Well, same to everybody out there. And we're a little past it, but I know Dr. King forgives us. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.